welcome everybody to all of our campuses, meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Glad you could make it. Glad to see that you could make it to church on a cold morning here in Minnesota. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online around our country and world. We know this is your connection to us, whether you're in a dorm room or just at home somewhere. We welcome you as well. Uh, glad to have you with us. Hey, before we dive in today, last weekend I was able just to come and worship uh, with my son. My wife had attended earlier uh, Saturday night. I was Sunday morning. And by the third worship song, I just stood there about 10 rows back and was so affected by our worship that I just began crying. And God was doing something in my heart and healing something and touching me in ways that only corporate worship can do. And then Jason got up and spoke an amazing message. And I was just, I sat back and I thought, I am so grateful, so proud of what God is doing through our church. And by the way, if you missed those two messages uh, Jason spoke last two weekends, I urge you to get online and watch them. They were so impactful. But I love our church. I really do. But I also love to hunt. And so this was a couple of weeks ago with my bow, and uh, this was South Dakota last week. Because for me to teach and lead, I have to hunt and fish. And some of you understand that. So, and some of you, you know, hate it, but that's all right. Uh, this is the final message <laughs> This is the final message in our series called One Life because what God cares about more than anything, what God cares about more than anything in the world and the universe is every single person one life at a time. It means that God cares about each one of you, six campuses watching online. He cares about you. He knows about you. He cares about you and loves you as a student, as a single adult. A married couple, if you're here watching, God cares about people, one person at a time. It also means that God cares about each per person around the world, whether they're on an offshore oil rig in the North Sea somewhere or working in a sweatshop in Shanghai or in a high-rise apartment in New York City or huddled around a fire in a Syrian refugee camp. Every human life matters to God, and at some level should matter to every one of us. Today's message is called One World. I want to shift our thinking from just, you know, our, our own little deal here in the Twin Cities and in the state of Minnesota and the five-state area to around the world because we have an opportunity that 10, 15 years ago wasn't possible, but it starts, it starts right at home with you and me. About five years ago, I was in my garage working on some stuff when I thought I heard a voice say something. So I turned around and I said, Laurie, is that you? And it wasn't her. She wasn't there. So I went back to what I was doing. But then I heard this, this voice again. And a little boy, about three and a half feet tall, leaned over from behind her car and said, hello. I'm like, I walked out. He was the cutest little kid, hair all neatly combed and washed, blue Boy Scout shirt, tie was all straight. He was selling popcorn as a fundraiser. And our neighborhood gets hit by every fundraiser known to man dozens a year. I don't know what it is about our neighborhood. So I was all tapped out by the time this little kid showed up. Plus, we give mainly to our church and a few other things. But just to be nice, I looked at his list of popcorn, and I said, what's your name? And he said his name was Eli. I said, Eli, how well have you been doing so far? He said, okay, I guess. I've raised over $1,000. I couldn't believe it. Kid was loaded. I said, are you from this neighborhood? He said, no, my dad's driving me around. Aha, not from our neighborhood. 
over $1,000. So I said, Eli, we support a lot of other things. I need to take a pass today. He said, that's okay. Thanks anyway. And off he went. Went inside. And I told Laurie how skillfully I had handled this situation. I don't know, I don't know what the Holy Spirit sounds like in your house. But in our house, the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like my wife. And the Holy Spirit said to me, she said, Bob, what's wrong with you? I said, what? We agreed, no more fundraiser. Plus, he's made over $1,000. She said, how could you do that to a poor little boy scout? I said, he's not poor. I said, it's a tough world out there. A little rejection will be good for him in his life. So I went back to the garage. As soon as the door closed behind me, a Bible verse came to mind. I know this Bible verse very well. It goes like this. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I just taught on that verse and I thought, how many kids are just you know, lounging around this morning, Saturday morning, playing video games Well, this kid's out knocking on doors with his dad. So I ran back in, grabbed my wallet, drove around the block, found D-Lion and his dad. I said, I gotta buy some popcorn. (laughs) Turns out Eli's dad, his name is John, had done some stonework in our house. So he knew who I was, knew what I did. It also turns out that John's boss had been praying for him and inviting him to our church and his boss was hoping I'd make a good impression on him. (laughs) And I almost blew it. I almost forgot. I almost forgot that every person matters to God. About a month later, John got a postcard in the mail from our church inviting him to our Christmas services. John hadn't been to church in years, in years. But he said, he told me it was just the nudge he needed. So he came to our Christmas Eve service with his mom. And this is what he said. He said, we were both so blown away that we just broke down emotionally and cried. John went home, told his wife how much he loved church, but his wife wasn't open to it. She came from a different uh, church tradition, and so John came by himself for several months, and then his son Eli joined him, and now for the past four years, his whole family has been coming to Lionel Lay's campus and worshiping with us. One day I saw John and Eli serving in our tech area at Lionel Lakes. And I said, are you Eli? Because he's just this tall, now he's this big, tall kid, freshman in high school. When I asked John if there's been any change in his life, John said, I'm a new man. I'm a different person, a better person. So a few days ago, I went to see him at his job site, and I could see it in his eyes. I could hear it in his voice. John is a new person in Christ. It's genuine, it's deep, it's real. He's been a stonemason for over 30 years, and when the timing is right, he invites other people, just gently invites people. But gang, it all goes back to his boss, Merlin Goble. I love Merlin. Merlin attends our church. Merlin knows that every person matters to God, and so he just gently, lovingly invited John to church over the years, and it's changed his life. So I want to ask all of you, Who might be working next to you, attending school with you, 
sitting at soccer games with you or living next door to you and you think that person's not interested in God or church. No point in inviting that person. Does a name pop up? A face come to mind? And you think, not him, God. Not her. That person's not interested in matters of faith. But like Jason said last week, maybe God put that person in your life for a reason so that you might have some kind of impact. I have to remind myself all the time, don't focus on who they are now. Focus on who they could become through faith in Christ. Don't focus on who your boss is now. I know, he's tough. She's crazy, I know. But don't focus on who they are now, but who they could become. If they, if they gained faith in Christ. Don't focus on who your sister-in-law is now. And I know, she's but focus on who she can become through faith in Christ. Don't focus on who your son, daughter, dad, classmate, coworker is now, but on who they might become if they found faith in Christ. Would you care enough about that person to at the right time say, you know what? I'd love for you to come to our Christmas series. Um... You know, some of you are thinking, Bob, I can't do that. It's not my thing. I'm not good with words. Let me challenge you all on that. If you just saw a great movie, what do you do? I mean, you blab to every, they don't even have to know you. You just blab. You got to go see this movie. If you just had the best pizza ever with mozzarella, tomato, and basil, you tell everybody you know, man, you got to go try this pizza. We who are Christians have unlimited, complete, total forgiveness. We are free from sin. We have a new life in Christ. It's the best thing that's ever happened to us. And yet, we're like, better not tell anybody about that. I mean, good grief. I want to show you how easy this is, how how anybody can do this. In John 1, Jesus was just starting to reveal himself as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He had just called the first disciples, Andrew and Peter, to be his his followers. We pick it up in verse uh, 43. Look what it says. The next day, Jesus left for Galilee, just starting his ministry. Finding Philip, he said, Philip, come be my disciple. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip ran to find his friend Nathaniel and told him, Nathaniel, We have found the one, notice, who Moses and the prophets wrote about a long time ago. We found the one. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. I mean, you have to realize how unbelievable this was. Scholars estimate that Moses lived 1,400 years before Christ, B.C., before this event, before these guys were talking together. 1,400 years, which means that Philip, Andrew, Peter, you know, Nathaniel, had been waiting for a Messiah or a Savior for over 1,400 years. So imagine if this was you and your friends. You know, Nathaniel's over fixing his ox cart 
minding his own business, and Philip runs up to him and he says, Nate, you know the one, the Messiah we've been waiting for 1,400 years? We just found him. He's standing over there by the fruit stand. We found the guy Moses wrote about 1,400 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth. Of course, Nathan doesn't buy it. He's like you and me. I love what he says. He says, Nazareth, you gotta be kidding me. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip's thinking, ooh, I shouldn't have said Nazareth because that'd be like saying, we found the Messiah and he's from Green Bay. <laughs> Nathaniel's thinking, Green Bay, can anything good come from Green Bay? And he doesn't believe it. Who would? Who would believe that the Savior of the world, God's Son, the one Moses wrote about 1,400 years earlier, was over there eating a peach? And he was from Nazareth. Give me a break. Now what happens next is so, so important for you and me. Instead of trying to convince Nathaniel with arguments and Bible verses... All Philip says to Nathaniel is this. Hey, just come and see. <laughs> you don't believe, just come and see for yourself. Go on over to the peach stand. Introduce yourself. See for yourself if he's the one. So Nathaniel goes. And the Bible says that when, that when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, Jesus said to Nathaniel, he'd never met before, Jesus said, here's a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. In other words, Jesus identifies Nathaniel as a man of honesty, of integrity, of deep, deep character. And Nathaniel asks, how did you know that about my character? without ever having met me. And something very personal and very profound happened in that encounter with Jesus that turned Nathaniel from a doubter to a believer because in the next verse, Nathaniel simply says, Rabbi, you indeed, you indeed are the Son of God. Now, Nathaniel's been a devout Jew all his life. He's heard about the Messiah all his life, he believes that a savior will someday come to deliver the Jewish people, and yet, when the invitation came to meet Jesus, he threw up all kinds of objections. It's been 1,400 years, who can believe it? Can anything good come out of, out of Nazareth? All Philip said was just come and see. Now gang, most of us have someone in our life right now like Nathaniel who's heard about Jesus all their lives, but because their experience with God and church was boring, or they got sucked into society and secularism, or they fell away from faith during college, they think, can anything good come out of having faith? Can anything good come from going to church? What good is God anyway? And it's easy to write people like that off as being, you know, they're just unreachable. They're not worth the effort. It would have been easy for Philip to give up on Nathaniel, but he didn't give up. He simply said, just come and see. And so again, I want to ask all of you, one more time, who's your Nathaniel? 
Who's skeptical of God and faith? Who has an objection or an excuse every time the topic of Jesus or faith come up? Who's so anti-God, anti-church, anti-Christianity, you think they're beyond reach? Or who's just apathetic about faith? Just don't care. Would you ever be willing to say to them, man, just come and see. I dare you. Just come and see. That's why we've been planning a come and see Christmas series for three months. And why we've been challenging all of you to be praying and looking for opportunities to invite people just to come and see. Five-week series starts next weekend, ends on Christmas Eve, and it's called What Keeps You Up at Night. You've heard us talking about this. And gang, all we're asking you to do is find a little bit of courage to invite one person, one person, maybe two, to come and see. You know, most people who are resistant to God and church have never experienced a church like ours. They've never heard a relevant message of how faith in Christ can help them with what keeps them up at night. They think, you know, I've been to church. And oftentimes, you know, it was beyond weird. Or they came to a church and it was a screwy Sunday with a gong show of dancing tambourines and they said, oh, never am I doing that again. I promise we will never, ever do that. Ever. Just invite them to come and see and trust God to do the rest. I have a friend, Scott Jordan, and he needed help skinning out his deer a couple weeks ago, so I met him in his barn, rolled up my sleeves, and I dove in with my knife and Scott's building a new house on his farm, so he's got a lot of people coming and going. About 20 minutes into it, a guy just showed up. Late 20s, and because Scott hired him to do some landscaping, and Scott left me with the deer, which was fine. Kind of, you know, He was kind of in the way anyway, so I just kept going. <laughs> and he showed this guy around, and 10 minutes later, they, they came back. And Scott's got sort of a blunt personality. So before this young man leaves, Scott says, Jim, where do you go to church? The guy's like, what kind of question is that? And he kind of stammered around and he named a church and, and I said, uh, how often do you go? And I was holding the big knife, blood and guts all over me. <laughs> he said about twice a year, he said, I go with my grandma, but it's so stale, I can hardly stand it. Scott said, have you heard about Eagle Brook? The guy said, yes. And Scott, well, this is a senior pastor. The guy looked at me, I was up to my elbows in gore. But I waved my knife at him and I said, <laughs> I said, we're starting a series November 26th and you should come. It's called What Keeps You Up at Night. I said, Jim, what keeps you up at night? He said, my career my finances, I had to move back in with my parents. I said, well, you're not alone. I said, we're going to talk about some of those things, so I hope you can make it. You know what he did? He thanked us. Said he might come. But I love how Scott just boldly said, just come and see. I'm telling you, if Scott Jordan can do it, 
Anybody can. <laughs> but why bother? Why do it? Why care? Two reasons. Because, number one, every human being matters to God, no matter how lost they are, no matter how sinful, misguided, selfish, or greedy, no matter how they voted, no matter how cynical, addicted, or uninterested, every human being matters to God. Each one of you matters deeply to God. He loves you. He knows everything that's going on in your life. God cares about you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to guide you if you let him. God wants to give you his peace and his joy and his happiness, and you can have that. You can begin to taste it when you put your trust in him with your life. And that's the reason we exist as a church, to lead people into a soul-saving, life-renewing relationship with Christ. So that's the first reason. Second reason why bother. Every human being is only one click away from a come-and-see experience. In fact, right before Jesus left planet earth and ascended back into heaven. He said this to his disciples. He says, you will receive power. That's talking to us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you, all of us, will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, that means the Twin Cities. In Judea, that means Duluth and Rochester. And to the ends of the earth, that means to the ends of the earth. <laughs> he said we would be his witnesses around the world, which used to mean you had to travel and see people face to face. Not anymore. With technology, every human being on the planet is just one little tap away. Today, over 5,000 people around the globe are watching us deliver this very message online, and it grows every week watching us from their iPhones and computers in airports on military bases at their desk or work at home. In fact, we sent out a video crew just to give you an idea, just to give you a glimpse of what people are doing out of state. Just watch this and I'll come back up and finish. My name is Marissa. I'm 21 years old and I am a senior at the University of Notre Dame. My family started going to Eagle Brook when I was in 10th grade, uh, but I didn't really start engaging with my faith life until college. Uh, when I came to college, like any other student, it's a huge transition no matter where you go. And when I came here, I found that a lot of the things that I felt made me who I am in high school and kind of were the source of my identity were kind of stripped from me and I had to figure out who am I? Um, I had never really had to ask myself those questions and so when I was faced with some decisions about values that I want to live out or how I want to present myself on this campus, that's where I really found comfort in my faith. It allows me to have a really healthy, peaceful perspective on these other really big changes happening in my life. 
Eco Brooks' role in my faith journey is they've been instrumental. I mean, they've really been my faith home that's launched this journey. Um, it's allowed me to explore my faith, uh, to ask questions about it, and then to grow from it. I've been to Eagle Brook in Woodbury, uh, but I've been engaging with it in college, obviously through the online messages. And the thing that always blows my mind every time I turn on a message is it's so incredibly relatable to what's happening in my life. It always is speaking to a really important thing that's happening or a decision I'm trying to make or a struggle that I'm trying to figure out. It makes faith not so overwhelming and it's really been kind of that backbone for me the past few years. The coolest part about it is it's with me everywhere, no matter where I go. And so I've traveled abroad and I've spent a semester in London and a summer in Johannesburg, South Africa. And I was able to just turn on my computer when I had Wi-Fi and be right back in that church home. And that's an extreme sense of comfort and peace in some times that are a little confusing and lonely and challenging. My name is Matt Cullen. My wife Bridget and I have been married for 12 years. We have three boys, Brooks, Wyatt, and Joey. And for the last 19 years, I've played professional hockey in the NHL. In 2010, while I was playing for the Minnesota Wild, we were introduced to Eagle Brook Church and we attended the Spring Lake Park campus. For me, my experience with Eagle Brook was great. It was a really comfortable feeling studying the Bible and listening and actually talking about things that really impact your life directly and how you can be a better person, how you can help other people. For me, that's what really struck me. I mean, I was just blown away and I fell in love with it right away. I needed a place the kids could learn where their age was, so the kids aspect was important. And then just being able to take in the message you know, just like an hour a week and just soak it in and not have to worry about changing a diaper or feeding or anything. It was just, I felt like a new person, like a new mom. So in 2013, um, I signed with Nashville. And then after two years there, we went to Pittsburgh where we now are. And um, we decided to stay with Eagle Brook throughout that time. We just felt like we had planted some roots with Eagle Brook and it was a special place for us. And it's nice to be able to go online and listen to a podcast or watch an old message, and just kind of reconnect. Something just kept pulling me back to listening to Pastor Bob and Jason, and it's just our church. It's, this is kind of what we made it. It's the best way to stay tuned in. You know, we'd love to be able to just settle down and go to church and bring the kids and have a part of routine. That's what we grew up with, and it's great. But. You know, in today's world, with what we have, it's, it's not practical. So it's, it's so nice to know that we can sit down and watch it, and then we have a conversation about it, and then we dive into it some more. And it might not be on Sunday morning, it might be on a Tuesday afternoon, but we have it, and it's helped my faith grow a lot. It really has. It, it helps me to kind of recenter on what's important and keep your heart in the right place.
I think one of the reasons online is so effective is that we're able to share it. You know, with just a quick click, you can send to your friends and family, and we constantly do that if we hear a message that hits us, because we want our friends to hear what we're hearing. They'll listen to it, and they'll, it's, you know, it's a back and forth conversation, and it just feels like church. Marissa is a senior this year at Notre Dame and doesn't really know what's next and the Cullens are going to be moving back to Moorhead, Minnesota because he's retiring after this year. But we want to provide an online experience no matter where they end up for them that they can always be a part of our church and what God is doing. I just want to build on those two stories just a little bit and then we'll close. Two weeks ago, I met the Ruiz family who just moved from Puerto Rico to Minnesota, Blaine, Minnesota, and stood waiting to meet me after the service. His family, Angel and his wonderful wife, their two young boys, their mom, they had been watching us in Puerto Rico for over a year because Angel works for Medtronic and one of his colleagues sent him a link to our services. So we became their church in Puerto Rico. But Medtronic just transferred him to Minnesota where he and his family are going to freeze to death (laughs) and help us reach others for Christ here in Minnesota. Angel said, we attended your church online in Puerto Rico and now we're here. That would have never happened if it wasn't for messages online. People like Eric, he runs a jail ministry down in Worthing, Minnesota every Friday night for about 20 inmates. They watch one of our messages, they have discussion, and Eric says that for most of them, this is the only church they've ever had. He said, Eaglebrook allows these men and women to see that Jesus has the power to change their life into something good. And for those of you inmates down there in Worthington, I just want to say, welcome to our church. Everybody makes mistakes but there's new life in Christ for all of you. So welcome to our church. Yeah. People like like Jacob who wrote to me last week, I'm writing this email from a tent in Florida on a military base getting ready for deployment to the Middle East. I've made a lot of bad choices, but because of your church, and my new faith in Christ. I have life and purpose. Your online services, he says, has saved me. My only regret is not being able to see the amazing worship that you all get to be a part of every week. I get a fistful of emails like that every single week. And we've been working on expanding our reach around the globe with what we're calling online church But there's a problem. The problem is that people can watch our messages, and that's great, but they can't get our worship services, so they have no idea really what goes on the other half hour. They have no idea really what church is really like. And the reason for that is we don't have the right technology. We don't have the proper staff to make the music work online. It takes a whole different deal to do that. Our current technology, I've been told, is so maxed out and vulnerable to breaking down every weekend (laughs) that actually we're just limping along, pushing out our services to the six campuses. Uh, So 
we need to improve our broadcast operation center. But until we do that, we can't deliver the worship service around the globe, nor can we add campus number seven. We're looking to Burnsville or campus number eight because we don't have the technology to do that. We're completely maxed out. So without getting all into all the details, the price tag for that for online church is five, five, yeah, 5,000, I wish. It's $5 million, $5 million for this broadcast operations center. We have a, a picture of what that kind of looks like, just a rendering of that behind the Lionel Lakes campus. Uh, it's a lot of money, but for the past four weeks, we've been asking about 40 families if they would help us get started on this. And I'm absolutely thrilled to be able to tell you that as of today, we've raised so far one point. $6 million, which means we have 3.4, there it is, yeah. I, I, wonder, I wonder if my math was off, $3.4 million to go. So it's, it's really a good news, but there's also a challenge in this. And I want to challenge all of us as a church now to, to, to bridge this gap, okay? Number one, we've been challenging, challenging you, and I hope you're praying about this if you're not already doing it, just to tithe. We gave a message a couple weeks ago about that, and 350 new families took on the 90-day challenge and said, we're going to try this for 90 days and see if God shows up, and I'm so proud of you for doing that. You're joining the 1,100 families who started last year tithing, so that's the first thing. That's the first step. But a lot of you have capacity to go beyond the tithe. A lot of you do. And so my wife and I have capacity to go beyond the tithe, and we've done that for many, many years. So we made a commitment to online church because we want to be a part of what God is doing around the globe. So we're going to try to raise this $3.4 million between now and Christmas, just a short push. And gang, I think we can do it. I know we can do it. Just 3.4 if you have capacity. Uh, so I'm asking those of you, will you help us? Close this gap for online church to reach students that you may never meet, to reach inmates around the world, family members, random people in places like Brazil, Puerto Rico, Denmark, and God-forsaken places like New York and L.A. to the ends of the earth. So many of us, isn't this true? It's true of me. So many of us spend money only on ourselves on our houses, cars, trips, kids, you name it, and that's fine. But some of us are overindulged in those things and don't give a lot of thought to what God might want to do through your generosity. But gang, if you have a daughter, if you have a daughter who is spiritually sinking at some university, and her only lifeline was the worship and messages she can get online through our church, or if you had a son or daughter in the military, or if you have a family member or friend out of state, and this was their only hope, I hope you join us. Jump in. You can help them be reached in a significant way. This isn't for us. You know, we get to come every week and take it. This isn't for us. This is for people outside our walls who need what we have. Jesus. So often we don't get a chance to do that as a church, but we get a chance to do this. Who else is going to do that for your son and daughter and family and friend and world? So 
We've got a card. I don't know if you have it in your lap or you get it on the way. I don't know how, how that works. But there's three ways to give to online church. And this is the last time we're going to talk about money for a long time, I promise. Not in the next series, I'll tell you that for sure. But three ways to give in the lobby. You can pick up a blue envelope and give that way online. Give online or text to give. And most of you know how, to, how, that, know how that works. I'm not sure I do, but you know how it works. So that's how that goes, okay? I hope, I hope you just shock me all over again. And I believe you will. And just let's get there. Next week, what keeps you up at night? I hope you have somebody on your elbow who hasn't been to church in a long time. At all campuses, a stand for closing prayer. Be on our way. Let's pray together. Father, thanks so much for the privilege, the privilege of being able to know you. Philip said to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, we found him. We found the guy, the Savior, the forgiver of sins. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. I need your forgiveness every day. Thank you for the freedom that you've given me and the joy and the happiness and the purpose for living life. I don't know how people do it without you. So Jesus, thank you for loving me and loving all of us the way you do. And would you just all over again as a church give us a chance to share that great news with not just thousands, but millions of people around the globe. It's just money. So God, I pray that you'll help all of us search our hearts and then just respond. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, everybody.